good to see you all this evening. Here is the clicker, but I don't need it tonight. Jeremy scared me so bad this morning, I just decided to go without slides tonight. So we're going to go we're going to go old school this evening together. I'm going to ask you to think about a concept with me for just a moment as we begin, and it's the idea of transmission. And not not the kind that's in your car, but the idea of transmitting something. Now, I know everybody in here knows exactly what I'm talking about, because over the last four years, we have all gotten our doctorate from the University of Google on how to transmit diseases, how not to transmit viruses, those types of things. We're all very familiar with how that works, okay? If, if I have a cold or I have a virus of some sort, and I go and I cough on Nick, I could transmit that virus or my cold, whatever it is, to Nick. And he would not appreciate me doing that, but that's how transmission works. Okay. However, on the other side of that, if I do not have a virus or if I do not have a cold within me, whether active or dormant, it is not in me, and I go and I cough on Nick, I cannot transmit that virus or that disease to him because I don't have it. I I can't transmit something that I don't have. Now, that that is not only useful in in the medical field, it's actually also a principle, and this is how I kind of came to thinking about it. I was listening to somebody who had experience in Alcoholics Anonymous, an organization that helps addicts overcome alcoholism and remain sober and and help in their sobriety efforts. And it's actually, that that idea is actually one of the pillars that they teach in the recovery program, that you can't transmit something that you don't have. Now, they think about that from a very personal relationship perspective, which I believe to be very helpful probably with an addict's recovery efforts. I want to ask you to think about what I believe to be a universal truth within that from a spiritual perspective this evening. We can't transmit something that we don't have. We have to be authentic and genuine and have the principles of God that we seek to teach or transmit to others first and foremost ingrained within us in order to be effective in God's kingdom because we can't transmit something that we don't have. Look with me as an example of this in Matthew chapter 5. We talked about this in our Bible class this morning as Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 in verse number 13. He says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, here's how I want to connect that with the idea that I've already established about not being able to transmit something that we don't have. Salt has to be salt in order to have its intended effect 
on food or on preserving things. It, it can't just look like salt. You could, you could create another substance that looked like salt, but then if you sprinkle it on your food, you're going to immediately know that's not salt. It might look like it, but it's not actually salt. In order for salt to transmit its flavor, it has to be salt. As Christians, we can look the part. We can, we can, we can know the scriptures. We can be here on Sundays. We, we can look to the world as if we are godly people. But in order for us to transmit godliness to others, we have to be godly. We have to have that ingrained within us. And we have to be genuine and we have to be authentic about our faith if we want to be influential in this world around us. Because we cannot transmit that which we do not have. And so this evening, I want to ask you to think about just three areas with me, in which I think this is a particularly applicable point to make. However, however, what, what I want more than for you to follow along with me for my three points this evening, I, I want you to consider this truth in, in whatever area of your life that you see a deficit. Meaning, as you reflect on this truth, where, where is it that you need to grow and become more authentic and become more genuine and have these godly principles ingrained within you deeper and truer so that you can be more effective and more influential in the world around you? Like I said, I'm going to give you three of them, but I hope that it just it spurs your thinking throughout the week to consider how this applies personally in your own life. So the first one that I want you to think about is the area of self-discipline. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth, and he's going to use uh, an analogy to teach to them a very important point about self-discipline. So read with me, if you will, beginning in verse number 24 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You see, Paul can teach the importance of self-discipline. And it is important that you and I teach the godly principle of self-discipline. We must be active teachers on that. That is something that God expects of his people, that we are self-disciplined. But what Paul points out is, it's one thing to teach it, but what does he point out? That he is living that way. He is a self-disciplined person. He has worked on that so that he can then influence others 
in this same way. If Paul was trying to teach about self-discipline, but he wasn't bringing his own body under subjection, how effective of a teacher would he be? If he was going around telling all of the Christians in Corinth, you all need more self-discipline in your life, you are letting your desires rule your life, you need to bring those things under subjection, but yet Paul was going out allowing his desires to rule his behavior. What kind of a teacher would he have been? Now he's teaching the truth. He's teaching what God once taught. But we can't transmit that which we don't have. He was not only teaching the truth, but he was leading by example. His behaviors, his attitude, showed all of those around him that these biblical, godly principles were first and foremost ingrained within him. If we are trying to teach something to someone else, but we are not living it ourselves, that's called hypocrisy. And we are not going to be effective workers in God's kingdom. Because we don't give people enough credit sometimes at their ability to see, to see through that facade. And to recognize the fakeness that sometimes we have in our hearts. It's important that we are authentic and genuine about these things. The second one is the ideal of the idea of zeal and passion. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Jeremy was in this passage this morning. But in Romans chapter 12, there's a a particular passage that I want to call your attention to in verse number 11, as Paul here writes to the Christians in Rome, and he says this, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Again, I I could preach that passage until I'm blue in the face. Paul could preach that passage until he's blue in the face. You could go to your friends and say, listen, you need to be zealous in your service to the Lord. And you could pound your Bibles on the table and you could yell it as loud as you could yell it. If they're looking across the table at a lazy Christian, a passionless Christian, Someone who is not zealous for God, fervent in their service to the Lord, they're going to see right through that. And our influence is going to be negated as a result of that. We have to embed these things within us because I'm going to always be a hindrance to my influence. And I'm going to hinder those that I'm trying to teach as a result of that if I'm not first preaching these things to the man in the mirror and reminding myself, first and foremost, that if I want to try and help others be more zealous in their walk as a Christian, if I want to fuel the flame in someone's heart 
in their service to God, if I want to play that role in someone's life, I better be living it in my own. And, and until, I'm, until I'm that kind of person, my ability to help others will always be hindered as a result of that. Lastly, I want you to think about the idea of kindness. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32, Paul writes this time to the Christians in Ephesus as he encourages these brethren that he has such a strong and, and meaningful relationship with to quote verse number 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I would suggest to you that perhaps there's no more obvious form of hypocrisy for someone, or at least the danger of hypocrisy for someone than in this area. We teach constantly the importance of kindness and love, and specifically brotherly love toward one another. But I want you to always remember that there are people watching, people watching your interactions with your brethren. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's just friends that you have. But others see how you interact with brothers and sisters. And if we're speaking harshly to one another, if we're being hostile towards one another, if we're lashing out at each other, and then we turn around and we try and talk about the importance of kindness and the importance of love, and the importance of being unified as God's people under Christ. Can you see how difficult you're making it on others who are looking up to you and looking at how you act compared to what you teach? You see, not only are you not going to be effective at transmitting or teaching this idea of kindness or brotherly love, you're going to be an active detriment to others who are trying to grow in these areas. And they're looking at their brothers and their sisters in Christ as examples in this. Every, every word that we speak to one another, every interaction that we have to each other, it is so crucial that those conversations, even difficult ones, even ones where maybe we disagree on something, even, even ones where some difficult things must be said, that they're said in love, and they're said in kindness. And, and not just because, not just because that's what God wants from us, it is every single time it is, but also because others are watching and others are listening and others are taking notice 
of those interactions. And if you want to be the kind of person that transmits kindness to others and helps others grow in these areas, we first have to embed them in our own lives. We have to have them a part of our speech, a part of our actions, a part of everything that we are because we can't transmit something we don't have. Finally, I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 6. We're going to conclude here this evening with a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 6. I want you to begin reading with me, if you will, in verse number 39. We're going to read down through verse number 42. Again, I'm going to ask you to read this parable with me through the lens of what we have been talking about this evening. He spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Here's where I want to conclude for this evening. If we want to help someone else, if we want to help a brother or sister in Christ see more clearly, to use the framework of the parable here this evening. We want to help them see more clearly. We, we want to help them better recognize the type of person that Christ is calling them to be and the changes that they need to make in their lives. If we want to play that role for someone else, we first need to make sure that our vision is clear for the very same reasons that we have been talking about this evening. Because if my vision's all blurry because of the plank that's in my eye, I'm going to be ineffective at helping my brethren clear their vision, so to speak. I'm going to be ineffective at helping them better see the kind of person that God is calling them to be. Because I am not seeing clearly the kind of person that God is calling me to be. We have to be self-reflective as Christians. And we have to do so because we can't help someone else grow in areas when we ourselves don't see the value of growing in those areas personally. Having an external focus as a Christian is a non-negotiable. We must have an external focus where we are looking to help other people, we are looking to serve other people, we are looking to teach other people, but we first have to make sure that we have within us 
but we are trying to pass along to someone else. I can't pass along a cold to Nick that I don't have. And I can't help lead someone else to Christ effectively and influentially when I myself don't recognize the need for him in my life. And so this evening, I want to leave us with the challenge to look inward this week, to, to look in the mirror and see what areas of our lives that we need to be working on so that we can be the most influential in the lives of other people on behalf of Christ. What, what areas do you need to grow in? What, what areas do you need to work on? What areas do you need to strengthen? So that you can be the most effective worker in God's kingdom that you can be. That's a responsibility that each of us have. God has given us opportunities. He has given us abilities. But the responsibility falls on us to make sure that we live up to the standard that Christ has set for us and that we become all that we can be in service to him and as workers in his kingdom. And I know that I have areas that I need to grow in, and I'm sure that everyone here does as well, so that I can be more influential in the lives of people, and I can help better lead them to Christ. So if you're here this evening, and maybe you're thinking about some of the things that we've talked about, and maybe you realize that as a child of God, you're not you're not able to transmit. You're not able to transmit the godliness that your Savior wants you to because you are falling short in certain areas. God gives us opportunities to grow, and he gives us brothers and sisters to help us grow and to encourage one another in growth. And so I would encourage you to reach out to someone and talk about how you can grow in these areas. What, what do you need to do? What, what can I do to, to become more influential in God's kingdom? How can I grow stronger and deeper in my own faith? If you're not a child of God this evening, we certainly don't want to leave here tonight without extending the Lord's invitation to become a child of His. As a child of God, we have a relationship with our Savior that will see us through from this point forward for all of eternity. He is always there for us and with us to be a source of strength, to lead us and to guide us to be more like Him. We all have an opportunity to be called children of His, to have the relationship with Him that He created each of us to have. So if you're not a child of God this evening, but you know that's a decision that you need to make and you're ready to make that 
and we stand ready to help you. If there's anything that we can do to help you in your spiritual walk this evening, please come to the front and let us know how as we stand and sing.